Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Hello, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And today's program is all about giving or receiving help in overcoming a critical personal issue. And to start the program, we're going to talk about the curse of addiction, And anyone who reads or listens to the news is well aware that we are facing an opioid addiction crisis here in America. It's gotten so bad that even our politicians are talking about it. Not that they're solving the problem, but they're talking about it. And when we speak of addiction, we generally refer to over-dependence on alcohol, narcotics, or prescription drugs, especially painkillers. And that's the kind of addiction we're going to talk about today. And what if you're married to an addict, your teenage daughter is on drugs, or a cherished friend, an alcoholic, is about to lose everything? In situations like these, addiction doesn't just negatively impact the addicts. It can also shatter the lives of spouses, parents, children, even close friends as well. And I know you'd like to help, but is there anything really meaningful that you can do? Well, my first guest, addiction counselor and former addict herself, Kathy Williamson, tells us that you most definitely can help, and she's here to explain how. And here's her bio. She was addicted to painkillers for 10 years and also was married to a controlling, manipulative, blame-shifting former alcoholic who uh, sucked the life out of her, as she puts it, for over three years. She overcame her addiction and reclaimed her life and has been clean for the past 30 years without having ever once attended a support group. And she served as a non-professional crisis hotline counselor for over 12 years and created her own Roadmap Out of Addiction program that helps addicts stay and or get and stay clear. And she's currently a speaker, trainer, and addiction coach counseling both addicts and their loved ones. And she's author of the brand-new book, My Family is an Addict, What Can I Do? And hello, Kathy Williamson, and congratulations on 30 years of drug-free living. Hi, Roy, and thanks for having me. Yeah, that is a statistic that not many people could claim these days. No, that's for sure. Well, if we may, let's begin with your personal recovery. After 10 years battling addiction to pain-killing drugs, what finally caught your attention and led you to the recovery with no relapses? Well, there's several phases to it. One was once I found out what got me into it, which was my childhood and still hating my parents at that time. Hmm. I identified that and resolved that, but I still was stuck. Hmm. And at that time, I was doing my uh, lay counseling on hotlines and realized that one day I felt like I was called to open my own hotline someplace. But that door didn't open until for almost 10 years. And when that door did open, my whole life turned around in three or four months. Oh, that's great. That's because first you uh, saw what was holding you back, and and then you uh, discovered what the passion of your life was, and that 
sets you moving forward. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds great. And then I guess, you know, once you realize that and you had a, a real goal in your life, you didn't have any room for the addiction anymore. You were finally able to overcome it. Yeah, it, it, I overcame it as a byproduct of oh. doing what I love. Yeah. Uh, using my passion to reach out to love and serve others. And isn't that interesting? You no longer were battling to overcome the negative. Instead, you were striving for the positive and, that's and right. that didn't leave room for the negative. <laughs> that's right. You got it. I love that. Well, let's talk about drug or alcohol addiction for that uh, matter. Is it a disease? No. And that's why so many people are still relapsing because there's underlying issues yeah. that you're escaping from. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. Although you do point out that the, the structure of the brain can change through addiction and, and it kind of takes on a life of its own. Yeah. The, uh, the initial choice is there, and then depending upon how bad a person gets into their addiction, it does change yeah. the chemical component of the brain. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's true. But even well, if a person goes through detox, if they're not taught how to handle their emotions and also deal, you know, identify and deal with what's what they're escaping from, yeah. you know, re- relapse awaits them. Yeah, well, that's why do addicts? I guess this he's kind of answered that. Why do addicts, even those firmly committed to recovery, so often relapse and fall back into their former addictive behavior? Isn't willpower strong enough to inspire and sustain a new start? It's not willpower. It's, we all have willpower to yeah. do what we want to do. It's yeah. the motivation behind it. You know, the, their their motivation is, I don't want to go back to to reaching bottom, and that's their motivation. Yeah. But that's never good enough because subconsciously they know they survived bottom before. Yeah, and so subconsciously true. it's like, okay, I can handle it again. And so once you they to... relapse, you only feel worse about it <laughs> right. than you did before because you, you know you, if you try again, you'll probably relapse again. I can see why uh, you know that just using willpower alone just wouldn't work. Right. And uh, what, what, uh, well, you mentioned the recovery tactics that are consistently more effective than willpower. Can you, I, I guess it's a clear picture in your mind of a positive ultimate outcome and a Go into that a little bit. Yeah, it's you know it's been proven that what you think about comes about in your life. Yeah. And when a person is in recovery, their focus is on not doing their addiction. Yeah. It's the picture in your mind when you say I'm not going to do my addiction. The picture is your addiction. So I help people to change their focus to okay, what do you want to do with your future? What's your passion in life? Let's get a picture of that and focus yeah. on that. Well, I know when um, you go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, not that I've ever been to one, but I've seen them on TV, the, the person always says, I'm Joe Blow and I am an alcoholic. Uh, is the following statement true or false? Once an addict, always an addict? I mean, that seems to be what the Alcoholics Anonymous says, but uh, is that true? That uh, That's what they're being taught, but no, it's not true. Oh. It's, it's like any, um, once you're into your addiction, it becomes a habit. Yeah. And then once you relapse, you think, okay, this is just normal. I'm supposed to relapse. I'm allowed to relapse, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. But 
the addiction is not who you are. It's what no. you do. Yeah, that's, that's, and there's that's a, a very good distinction, isn't it? Very much. And most people, most addicts feel that I am an addict, and therefore I am going to relapse, and yeah. there is no hope for me. Yeah. And that bugs the heck out of me because there is hope. Yeah. You know, but, I've been clean for 30 years. Where are these stories that are n- not being shared with the public that lots of people are overcoming their addiction without <clears throat> without relapsing <clears throat> or without, you know, the fear of relapse? Yeah, well, let's let's move on to helping a spouse, loved one, family member, cherished friend to overcome an addiction. Let's say your spouse or life partner is an addict. What can you do? Can you give us three or four ways to help move the loved one from addiction to independence? Sure. Um, the first thing is you, is you and the addict need to realize that it takes more than the decision to stop. And the more than the decision to stop requires finding out that person's passion in life. So they have something to change their focus to, something positive, something that, you know, if they discover their passion, they are given so much emotional fuel to keep them headed in the right direction. So as a spouse, I would suggest maybe you can even see what the addict's passion is. Yeah. But Because when they're in the throes of their addiction, they're, they're not going to remember, they're not going to know what it is. No, that's true. So the, the focus is to get them to change their focus yeah. from, you know, the fear of of doing the addiction to bring that aspect back into their life that they love to do. Yeah. And the same is true for the spouse, for her or him to discover their passion in life so that they can switch their focus from all the negativity about what the addict is doing and how they're hurting them and how the all their lies and manipulation the spouse that is not an addict has something positive going on in her life that well, she that's can a good change. point isn't it yeah yeah because if you're so down on your on yourself and your circumstance and they're blaming the addict that it's not you're not going to be able to help that addict very much I wouldn't think yeah and also the addict blames the spouse yeah. for their problems yeah. you know, they they don't take 100% responsibility no it's always great to be able to blame someone else <laughs> yeah and the other thing is they the addict needs to be around more emotionally healthy people not hanging out with other addicts <laughs> that's a so good if point. if there's um on the internet, there's a, a website called Meetup.com, which is you know local groups that meet around certain various topics. So, what is the addict's passion in life? Is there a meetup group that he or she could go to to be around more healthy yeah. people? Yeah, that's well. Chapter six in your book is titled "A Plan Ahead to Avoid Relapse." Sounds like a wonderful concept. But can you give us a hint on uh, just how to plan ahead? Yeah. Most addicts have a knee-jerk response response to people who have hurt them in their past or certain situations. And once they are aware of that and they know they have this tendency to just explode in anger and go off and drink to avoid the anger feelings, 
make a plan ahead. How can I respond differently? Oh, I What's see. a better re- reaction, whether it be a, a verbal uh, response or an actual physically walking away from the circumstance? Oh, I see. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, well, let's turn our attention to what you, as you call them, the forgotten people, husbands and wives of addicts. I think you may have sort of answered this question before, but how best can long-suffering spouses turn their anger into calmness and take up the cause of helping their life partner conquer the addiction, rather than uh, blaming them or, or being down all the time? Yeah, there's two things. One, there's a technique called uh, tap tapping or oh, emotional yeah. freedom I, technique. I, yeah, I think we've had a prior guest talk about that. It's a fascinating technique. I yeah. I created a, a ebook which is free when you get the copy of, of the regular book oh, that is called Tapping Away Your Addiction. Oh, that's great. And it not only teaches you this simple five-minute thing that can help you control your emotions, it you not only learn how to tap away the negative emotions, but you also learn how to tap in the good stuff, oh, the self-confidence and great. so forth. That's great. Well, how about an all-too-common uh, middle-aged challenge? Chapter 10 in your book is titled Guidance for Parents of Addictive Teens. Can you please give us a couple of suggestions on handling the, the teenage drug problem? And is there something we in, uh, as parents can handle alone or uh, if not, how the heck do we get our reluctant teen into counseling or rehab? Or maybe that's not even best for them. I don't know. Well, the, the teens today are different than when we grew up. Yeah, With the sure. onslaught of technology, yeah. everything is instant gratification. And yeah, I, mean I didn't run around instant. with a cell phone all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Dialed so, ta- into <laughs> so taking away their cell phone privilege is not going to help. Again, you need to find activities, physical activities, that the teen loves to do and get them involved in it. Because this gives them an outlet not only for uh, feeling good about themselves, but it's also a a physical thing that will help to improve them. And it it builds up their self-esteem much more than texting someone yeah that you know driving them to uh, positive activities seems to me so much more effective than constantly criticizing or running them down for their drug use i would think right and as a parent you perhaps can see what they really love to do yeah and yeah you should should be able to uh, figure out what their real passions are yeah better than anyone else and have that conversation with them yeah you know, to to get involved and again, it's it's not focusing on not doing the addiction, you know, and stopping it. You've got to replace it with something positive. Yeah, I would. You know, I would think uh, some teenage addicts may be uh, unconsciously crying out for for more attention and concern oh, to help them discover what their true passions are, rather than. Uh, Definitely. Well, that, that's a great idea. Well, last of all, regrettably, there may be listeners out there who presently are living with a spouse who is, as you described, a pathological liar or a narcissistic <laughs> addict or maybe an ex-addict who retains their prior behavior. And sadly, no matter how hard you try, uh, some addicts just won't change, and the only realistic option may be to split. 
And if divorce is the only option, can you suggest uh, some ways to get your life back and regain your sanity? How did you do it? I was married to a narcissistic. Uh, I didn't even know what that was until, you know, I woke up one morning and realized my life had been sucked out of me. But narcissistic people, they won't change. No. You know, 99.9% of them will not change because there's nothing wrong with them. No, in them. their mind, they're perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> Not really, but they, uh, yeah. they overcompensate for their lack and, of self-esteem by yeah. acting like they are. Yeah. And I'm a Christian, and I needed to make sure that I wasn't going against, you know, God's command. Yeah. You know, we all have heard, heard that God hates divorce. Well, yeah. there, there was a book that really helped me from a Christian perspective called Divorce, colon, God's Will, question mark. Yeah. And that really opened my eyes to how much God loves me. And I came to the conclusion, if my parents wouldn't want me hanging out with this person who's destroying my life, would God want me to stay there? Yeah. Well, God wants all of us to have a fulfilled, he loves us and he wants us all to have a fulfilled uh, happy life, a joyful right. life, and he certainly doesn't want ever, anyone to suffer for years and years through a bad marriage. So. And especially if there's domestic violence going on. Oh, yes. No get problem. out as soon as you can. You know? well, let's talk about a more positive subject to your brand new book, My Friend is an Addict, What Can I Do? And the subtitle is Use the Roadmap Out of Addiction to Influence Your Friend and to Take Back Your Life. And how is your book different from other books on addiction? Well, one, it has a roadmap that definitely shows an addict the way out of addiction yeah. without having to go through relapse. And secondly, you you can apply the same principles for people who are dealing with the addicts, yeah. the spouse and so forth. And there's not that many books out there for the spouse that most of them just are trying to show you how to convince the addict to get into a rehab. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't do anything for the spouse. And like real, how you say really that that some of these uh, support groups are like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> oh, they are. They are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, despite the title, would the book be useful for a listener who is battling his or own own addiction? It sounds like it would. but uh... It would. Um, they need to be willing to not put up a wall. When I say it's not a disease and you need to take 100% responsibility, but yes, it it is clearly available for them to show them the way out. Yeah, well, where's the best place for listeners to go to preview and purchase your book, My Friend is an Addict, What Can I Do? They can get a free PDF of the entire book on my website, myfriendisanaddict.com. And it also gives you a little bit more information, you know, the table of contents and so forth. Yeah. Or you can buy it on Amazon, either in paperback or in Kindle format. Oh, that's great. Well, if a listener wants to learn more or to make contact, you give give us that website address again. My my friend is an addict.com. And that's all just the one phrase. Yes. <laughs> together. Okay. Yeah, I, I checked that, and there's a number. And you also have. Uh, founded a community called Renegade Influencers. Tell us about your community's goal and how uh, how an interested listener can join it. On the same website, there's a tab for Renegade Influencers. Oh, I see. Who are these people? 
people like me who buck society's uh, box that they want to put us in. And I teach. Can you imagine a society where everybody is on the same page on how to influence the addict? Yeah. Everybody's telling the addict, hey, go find out what your passion is. Change your focus. Yeah. Uh, change your beliefs. Get out of you know, get out of the rut. Right now, everybody's focus is go to a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come on. There's got to be more help than that. So that's what I want to do is train other people. And those who go through it through their own experience are the best people to get out there and help pass the word along. Well, that's so great. And then in conclusion, as my guest Kathy Williamson points out, if you ask 100 friends or loved ones how they can help an addict, the most common answers will be, I don't know, or I can't help them until they want help, or I tell the addict to, to go to a meeting. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> all three of these responses are hollow. They don't solve the problem, and they most likely leave you feeling at a loss. And as Kathy thoughtfully puts it, you can't change behavior of an addict, but you can influence an addict to change. And that's a subtle uh, difference, but it makes a world of, uh, of uh, in reality, it's a world of difference. In conclusion, yes, I will add this one thought. Don't give up until you read Kathy Williamson's book and use her proven method to influence your addicted friend or loved one toward permanent change. And guess what? You don't have to be a professional. Kathy informs that her concise method can be implemented by anyone, including you and me, and it can be used uh, to help yourself or a loved one overcome any critical challenge, not just addiction, uh, any uh, major issue you might be facing in your life. And I don't know about you, but if a close friend or family member was addicted, I'd certainly want to give Kathy Williamson's Roadmap Out of Addiction a try. And once again, her book is titled My Friend and Addict, what can you do? And thanks to me and Kathy, and best of success in, uh, on the sale of your book and in all, uh, with all that you do. It's a wonderful cause. Thank you, Roy. Well, we turn now to another serious health challenge plaguing a vast number of Americans, especially those of us at middle age and beyond, and that's overweight, specifically obesity. And uh, first, here's some shocking, shockingly disturbing news. And here's a quote from the NBC Nightly News back in July 2011. And the reporter was Juan Williams. And isn't that the same guy who now appears regularly on the uh, Fox News channel? I believe it is. He, uh, Williams reported a new report on obesity in this country is out tonight with some shocking stats. In 1995, not a single state in America had an obesity rate above 20% of the population, and now all states but one do, and Colorado, the only one, is barely hanging on with 19.8% of its residents considered obese, and they have an unfair advantage with all those mountains to climb. <laughs> now, that report's seven years old. I just wonder if uh, Colorado has since joined the party, or maybe better yet, some other states have dropped below 20%, but I'm afraid that's highly unlikely. And okay, so you don't consider yourself obese, whatever that means, but you've been trying perhaps for years to lose that stubborn 10 to 20 or maybe more pounds uh, that you put on during your 30s and 40s, and every year it's one of those New Year's resolutions you start off great with, but you always throw in the towel after a few weeks. Or maybe you just lost 10 pounds or more several times and uh, only to uh, 
regain it all back, the depressing yo-yo effect. And my next guest, healthy living expert, Ed Dodge, M.D., is here to suggest a new approach. He tells us that folks seeking a major life change, like losing weight and keeping it off, are far more successful, but when supported by others in small groups. And he's here to talk about some of the best ways to initiate this small group approach, along with some clear guidelines for lifelong health and well-being. And here's Dr. Dodge's remarkable biography. He grew up as a missionary kid in the wilds of Angola in southern Africa. He returned to the U.S. as a teenager and earned his M.D. from the University of Indiana School of Medicine. Plus, he has a master's degree from in uh, public health from Johns Hopkins. Pretty impressive. He spent most of his career in Florida, first as a director of a local health department, and then for many years as a family physician. And after retiring from his practice in 1996, he's made numerous volunteer and mission trips to Zimbabwe, and in 2010 was appointed as a volunteer visiting adjunct professor at Africa University in Zimbabwe. He presently serves as an advocate for the great value of holistic healing, body, mind, and spirit, and he's author of several books, including Be Healthy, Simple Guidelines for Lifelong Well-Being that we'll talk about today. And hello, Dr. Dodge. We're honored to have you as a guest. Thank you, Roy. It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Well, before we talk about solutions, I'd like you to comment briefly on the problem. What are some of the unfortunate and perhaps even deadly consequences of being uh, totally out of shape and carrying around a significant number of extra pounds at middle age? Unfortunately, uh, the, the, the more weight a person carries, more excess weight a person carries, the greater the risks of multiple other diseases, um, including diabetes, type 2 diabetes, uh, heart disease, stroke, hypertension. All of those risks increase with increasing weight. So it's, uh, it's, it's not just a single problem. It's a, it's a multi uh, uh, it's a <laughs> like a, a, a chain of, of reactions that are related to being overweight. Yeah, and it just doesn't make you feel good either. <laughs> I always talk in my book uh, about how it's very difficult to renew your life in a soft 50-pound overweight body. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> depresses your whole outlook on life, not to very mention true. those awful health risks you talk about. Well, for a lot of us at middle age, the extra pounds and health problems kind of sneak up on us. What's the reason that so many of us, even in those who were athletic in their early 20s, encounter serious health problems in our 40s and 50s? Is declining uh, natural, uh, just a natural result of aging, or is there anything we can do to arrest or perhaps even reverse this health decline? It is not a natural result of aging. I can, I can tell you that absolutely. Uh, I, I, I've spent many years in Africa, and uh, the infant mortality rate there is higher than it should be. But yeah. when people reach adulthood, by and large, they remain uh, slender for life. That yeah. is, That has been true up until the recent last 20 years. That's changing. And the reason it's changing is that the Western fast foods have started to come into Africa like a tidal wave. All they don't need is McDonald's. <laughs> and now they're eating exactly burgers and, uh, and chicken uh, and pizzas and all the things that are put on the way. Food, the, the type of food a person chooses to eat makes a huge difference. 
That's yeah, good. what a shame that we're spreading that uh, bad culture around the world. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, it, they're going hand in hand. Yeah. Well, on your program, you uh, are on our program. We often emphasize the uh, two of the keys to a thinner, healthier you diet and exercise. But in the intro to your book, Be Healthy, you tell us there are four underlying principles for healthy lifestyle. And what are the other two? Well, stress management is a very important factor um, because uh, stress contributes to the whole problem of, of uh, overeating and uh, yeah, yeah, healthy so it, emotional it's, it's life, effect. like you say in the, in the book. And then uh, love is uh, is it's just a huge factor. Yeah. There was a book by uh, Dr. Dean Ornish, who is a cardiologist who is highly respected uh, in this country around the world, uh, because he proved that you could reverse heart disease, coronary artery disease, with lifestyle change rather than having to have surgery. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote the book Love and Survival in 1998 uh, after he had uh, done his uh, basic years of research in this whole yeah. field. He found that being connected in small groups where people cared about each other was just as important as diet and huh. exercise and stress management. Yeah, well, that's that's sort of the theme of today's program. How can friends and loved ones help boost our uh, motivation to lose weight? Just what are some of the ways they can uh, can help us do that? Well, you know, the most important way is simply to be there as a, in a supportive, caring way. Not in a nagging way. I, yeah. I really need to emphasize that difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was especially when you're attempting to lose weight with your uh, spouse, and the spouse is nagging you all the time about what you're eating. <laughs> that's, yeah, nagging doesn't help. It does not help a bit. Uh, no, so a, a, a family group can be important, but if it's if it's a nagging kind of relationship, that's not yeah. going to help. Yeah, it has to be a caring kind of relationship. I'm here for you. And I'm I'm here to to walk with you. I'm here to to join you in uh, in changing our eating habits. Yeah, I I like the way you say it. Uh, you you become responsible to others who are tracking your progress. You know when you have to show up periodically and show how much weight you've lost and uh, maybe have a log. You know show your log of what you've done. Uh, to lose the weight, I think that really helps when, when it's not just yourself you're responsible to. But, uh, well, you know, there are uh, groups, uh, weight loss groups, uh, that uh, have that kind of a, a relationship, uh, yeah. and that does help, uh, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, well, any suggestions on the best way to recruit a weight loss uh, team partners? What if your spouse, closest friends, and immediate family members already are thin and healthy, or you want to avoid that nagging experience you're talking about? How do you find a group like that that... Uh, you could get into that, that would help you lose the weight. Well, uh, weight loss is a is a such a widespread issue that it's not hard to find others who are um, who are wanting to achieve that kind of goal. Yeah. I think joining a, uh, something like a, a YMCA is oh. a great way to find people who are. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Who are similarly inclined, and I, I, that was one way that I would recommend. Uh, Church groups can be helpful, um, but uh, they're not. It's I think something like a YMCA is probably even more helpful. 
I see. So that'd be uh, more. How about something like these Jenny Craig or these TV ads we have all the time? Are, are they really that helpful in terms of? Uh, well, I guess they don't really add the group experience, but they'll sell you a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, um, Jenny Craig uh, has some benefits, uh, but it it's uh, it's very much a commercialized pr- uh, uh, venture, uh, yes, and I think is. you don't have to have that kind of a approach to it. The, the, I'd like to really emphasize Jenny Craig and some of these others emphasize diet for weight loss. Yeah. Um, and diet is not should not be thought of as a temporary kind of approach. It needs no, to be a lifestyle change. It's so crucial. You reset to. target weight and you say, whoopee, I can go off the diet now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and that is uh, that's uh, that yo-yo effect is, is is really hard on the body. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a not the way to go. No. There's a book that was published just a couple of years ago uh, called the. the um, Finding Ultra by a man named Rich Roll. Oh. And he, he, I'll, let me just read the, the first uh, sentence describing that, that yeah. book. On the night before he was to turn 40, Rich Roll experienced a chilling glimpse of his future. Nearly 50 pounds overweight and unable to climb the stairs without stopping, he could see where his current sedentary life was taking him. And he woke up, plunging into a new routine that prioritized a plant-based lifestyle and daily training. Rich morphed in a matter of months from out-of-shape, midlife couch potato to an endurance athlete. And Finding Ultra is a fascinating account of his, of his, uh, of his journey. There's a couple of things significant about that. It was the, his, the night before he turned 40 is when he, he realized this. And I found in my practice through the years, 40s are um, uh, such an important age. People wake up in, in the 40s to realize they are not uh, not going to live forever. They're, They're not immortal. They start taking care of themselves. <laughs> Uh, so uh, 40 is a significant age group. I love the title of your of your show, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I firmly believe that. Well, that, your weight loss support group sounds like a great idea, but let's speak for a moment about creating healthy meals, both to lose weight and keep it off. In Chapter 2 of your book, Be Healthy, your son Randall describes four crap food and drink categories to avoid c r a p what are these four what do these four letters represent well uh i forget specifically what is four letters represented but well, basically c is the caffeine r is refined sugar and flour a additives and p preservatives you might yeah. uh, expand and, that. and and that's a, that's a, makes a nice uh, headline sort of but it's uh, the highly processed foods and foods that are, uh, which means foods that have, have you can you don't recognize their food just if they're in a box or yeah. if you t- or if you have to open a, a jar but you're not, you don't know what's in it and the preservatives all of that adds to what are called um, fake foods yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, the processed foods add enormously to our weight problem. The, the plant-based approach to healthy eating is becoming universally recognized as the most important way to... It's not saying you have to become vegetarian, yeah. 
yeah, but to emphasize whole plant-based foods in in a person uh, in a person's uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Michael Greger uh, wrote the book How Not to Die. Uh, writes a daily blog or or video log, and he happened to write one that uh, I came across just uh, yesterday that said how you can lose weight by eating more. And uh, uh, you all usually think of eating less in, in, in trying to lose weight. And he says eating, you can do it by eating more. And here's the reason. Researchers were able to cut uh, calorie intake nearly in half from 3,000 calories a day down to 1,500 calories a day without cutting portions. They sub- simply substituted high um, they, 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 they low calorie foods that are high in energy yeah. with uh, from from uh, instead of high calorie foods and they tried this in Hawaii by putting people on a traditional Hawaiian diet with all the plant foods they could eat huh. the subjects lost an average of 17 pounds in just 21 days resulting in better cholesterol triglycerides blood sugar and blood pressure Calorie intake dropped 40%, but not by eating less food. They lost 17 pounds in 21 days while eating more food, four pounds of food a day. But because it's plant-based foods, you get the extra volume and weight, but not the high calories. Yeah, I liked on your book also, you mentioned drinking a lot of water. and that I guess when you get hydrated like that, uh, it lessens your desire for filling your mouth with food. <laughs> yes, that is very important, and it's important that it be water, not yeah. soda. <laughs> yeah, I know you also had a blog on there about diet soda, which I like too much. And it's interesting because I can't believe that the diet soda directly causes the weight gain, but I guess it stimulates your desire for other foods and, and things to go with it. I don't know. There's been a lot of research done on that because that is a tough question, and it. it seems to be that the sweetness in the uh, diet foods, diet sodas, yeah. it stimulates the desire for more sweetness because it's not satisfying, because it's not the real sweetness. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. Well, let's talk a bit about your acclaimed 2014 book, Be Healthy, Simple Guidelines for Lifelong Well-Being. How is your book different and unique from other books out there about health and diet? Well, I, I start off with my son's story because it's a dramatic story in itself. He's had a weight problem for many years until he was in his 40s and uh, almost 50. Yeah. And the, he tells his story in, uh, in his chapter 2 of how he finally achieved uh, a better weight control. And it's it, mind making your mind up to change your lifestyle is hugely important. And then yeah, having, He had a seven-step um program to take that weight off and change your lifestyle and keep it off and I love that uh, you know it's not just, you first have to make up your mind to do it and then uh, you've got to break free of the, the, the addictions for those processed carbohydrates and uh, <laughs> exactly you know they said you also have to exercise at least 30 uh, minutes a day six days a week and I guess it doesn't have to be super strenuous, depending on your age and stuff. But uh, And I also, like he says, to record all this in a daily blog, <laughs> and early to bed, early to rise. I liked all those suggestions. 
And then the last one that you had touched on early in the program, pursue joyful living with someone you care about, because that uh, healthy association makes a world of difference in in losing weight and and staying healthy, I'm sure. It makes a huge difference. Uh, Well, where should your listeners go to preview and purchase your book, Be Healthy? Is there a good place to do that? Oh, well, it's on Amazon.com. Uh, oh, I see. But uh, if you, um, if a person find, can find my website, uh, they can subscribe to my newsletter, and they'll and uh, anyone who subscribes to my wellness newsletter can have a copy, can get an uh, e-book of the oh. Be Healthy electronic version. Free. Oh, I see. Well, what's uh, what's that web address where they should go to uh, to get to your website? The power of lifestyle, just either as separate words or all continuous. Either way, uh, yeah. it'll take if you put it in a in a search. Uh, yeah, uh, I found it either the power of lifestyle dot com is uh, your website. Exactly. Well, in conclusion, Doctor Dodge has led a truly remarkable life on two continents, North America and Africa, and because of this, he has unique outlook on the way keys to healthy living in both developed and underdeveloped environments. And unfortunately, as he mentioned, the underdeveloped environments are adopting some of our bad eating habits now and are not perhaps as healthy as they used to be. And as he says, it's not just about changing your diet. It's about following the path of better physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And uh, you've got to keep doing it, not just uh, take it off and then forget about it. And as Dr. Dodge advises, it's far easier to accomplish life renewal as part of a team and an association with someone else. And to help you spur action, I highly recommend you preview and purchase Dr. Ed Dodge's book, Be Healthy, Simple Guidelines for Lifelong Well-Being. And that's what they are. They're easy to implement, and they're something all of us should read. It's not just for medical professionals. It's for you and me as well. And thank you so much, Dr. Ed Dodge, for joining us here today. May I make a final comment before closing off? Of course. Uh, the, the point I'd like to make is that you can extend middle age by a healthy lifestyle up to <laughs> 75 or 80. Ah, I, you, yeah, my, our, our goal here on the program, we say middle age starts around 40 and ends at question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, well, you, can you can make it a long, healthy middle age by a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And thank you so much. And now let's all go out and have a healthy lifestyle. And tune in next week on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 